Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, That is the the one uniting motif of this podcast: the fact that your internet has been fucked. The, the, cra- the crap Australian internet. Yes, yes. Governments have come and gone. We've had yes. many prime ministers, and the internet still yes. remains shit. The guy who proposed the NBN was was like four prime ministers ago. Can, can you tell it's the dog days of NBA summer? <laughs> I don't I actually, think we're even in the dog days. This is kind of the rat days. I actually had like a grand unifying theory of of sport. I wanted to throw you for the for oh, you know the, the balls podcast this week. Go there on, you know, then. I managed to get the name of the show in. Um, I'm Doctor Spezer because I was thinking about the performances of the two Australian sides last night, right? And well, so uh, the, the Matildas and West Tigers. <laughs> are, we, are we that far off the Australian cricket team already? Who? No, they retain the Ashes. That's fine. They've, they've moved on. Um, oh, that's right. Men play cricket too, don't they? Well, that's true. Arguably, that yeah. Oh, that that's another one I wouldn't mind coming back to. Is that is the women's Ashes because that's a that's a fascinating um, microcosm in sort of world sport. But no, I was thinking because lot like. Well, a the, the the Sam Kerr thing was just to rank some of the AFL adjacent rugby league adjacent commentators. Yeah. Just I mean, having no the idea. rugby league adjacent the rugby league commentator was actually just retweeting a AFL written story mm. with the same view, so he didn't even have an original fucking thought mm. when he he sort of said it's disgusting that Sam Kerr's absence. This is for international listeners. Sam Kerr is injured for the first couple of games of the World Cup. This is Sam Kerr, the, the, probably one of the, the greatest women's footballer of the last mm. couple of years. I mean, it's hard De- to compare definitely. to Marta and Arda Hegerberg, and therefore Arda Hegerberg made to look real fucking ordinary by New Zealand yesterday, just just quietly. Um, uh, but they, they managed to somehow cover up the fact that Sam Kerr wasn't going to start and, in fact, wasn't going to play for the first two games, which is a, a fucking coup in a World Cup to, to manage to hide that from your opposition. And these... Victorian fuckheads are out here saying this is a travesty, it's an injustice, it's disgusting. What about the kiddies who came along to see Sam Kerr? They wouldn't have gone in for any yeah. other reasons. Like, what? <laughs> and uh, and the the angle, which they yeah. didn't necessarily tweet about, was certainly inferred, was what about the gambling lines? Yeah, what about the what about the lines? What about yeah. my bets? Yeah, not, 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 all, not all codes are pissant, backwater, fucking regional shit that is run for the benefit of gambling codes whereby you have to name your fucking squad on the Thursday before the game. Yeah. Like this this Australian women's soccer team, what, what, six games since they've let in a goal? Oh, go away, you stupid Windows computer. Um, Mrs. Bezo is still getting emails <laughs> and, and, and Mr. Bezo hasn't figured out how to stop it from happening. I, I can't Mrs. Windows. Dr. Bezo. I can't, Windows. I can't. Stupid thing. Um, 
If you just hear me banging. Windows are for throwing PCs out of. Uh, I'm, I'm very close to going office space on this bloody computer. Um, <laughs> die, motherfucking die, motherfucking die. Die, motherfucking die, motherfucking die. You, you know, like, we, we've got, a, we've got a, very, a very good above expectation Australian women's soccer team playing in Not the way they played yesterday, we fucking don't. But anyway. Yeah, but playing in a home World Cup, I'm sure there's more things to go to than to see Sam Kerr. Anyway, that that sort of gets me back to back to my sort of grand unifying theory is what what happens with a side when your plan A, your big plan A that you've spent all your time on doesn't come off. Like that's what I find really fascinating about tournaments and and tournament competition. Like you you know, especially a World Cup where you have all these sort of um, windows of opportunity, right, to work on your team and work on your tactics and work on who your players are and how that fits, fits into your tactical game. And then you get thrown an absolute curveball. I see what you did there. At the start of a tournament. And how do you respond? Like, it, it was very interesting because um, I was sort of lying in bed reading the, the uh, was it the Guardian blog? I was, I was reading a live blog anyway of, of the game. And the person seemed- It was on telly, you know. I do know that, but um, I sort of was like, oh, I'm just I'm just going to check the score before I go to bed and end up reading, instead of watching a game, ended up reading <laughs> a half of a live blog. But it was interesting how they were sort of positing this theory that without Kerr there to sort of finish off the tactical plans they had, it wasn't really working. And That's an interesting theory, but the problem I have with it is that it doesn't, Having watched the game, it doesn't actually correspond to reality because there weren't chances to finish off. They right. kept getting beaten in midfield. They kept getting caught in the sludge. The Irish deployed a low block, which is where you you sit off the opposition when when they're in their half. But as soon as they yep. get into your half, you fucking you swarm, swarm the motherfuckers. And the um, the Telders had no fucking time on the ball, and they didn't have the the space or, frankly, the technical ability to kind of create in an extremely clogged uh, final third. So there yeah. w- it wasn't like there were a whole sequence of, of chances that a, a Sam Kerr could have finished off. Um, well, Kerr's replacement, Mary Fowler, was constantly dropping deeper to try and, you know, bring it forward for your get a bit literally of for, your, for your forwards, for Caitlin yeah. Ford. It just wasn't fucking happening. And it was a very choppy and sloppy. It was very kind of league two- English league kind of game. It was, it was, it had no pace. It had no fucking continuity. Uh, and that was actually exactly how the Irish wanted to play it because that's exactly yeah, what they want so, to do. So, and that's, the, that's the other thing, right? Is a World Cup brings a degree. And, and this is sort of where I wanted to tie it back in the Ashes because I think the Ashes has the same amount of You're pressure. determined to talk about that fucking cricket, aren't you? Uh, just, just a little bit, but. That Sorry, pers- Adam. We're trying not to mention it. That perceived pressure, like, that you have in the World Cup. And I was saying to Vanessa, like, you know, if you're the better team, the longer it goes on nil all, the more tight you would become because, you know, you only need one mistake, right, to let, to let in a goal and then fucking all the pressure's on you. But I just find it fascinating that how you can be an underdog sort of side and scrap and, and mess stuff up and just make it hard and let the pressure... Of being the better side build on you. It tends and, to happen and- faster in a game of football, though, because yeah. of, you know, the whole 90-minute thing. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and ironically, this is exact the way the Irish played against Australia is exactly how the Australian men's team would play against a team better than them yes. uh, in the in the yep. Men's World Cup because 
someone who's tactically more more coherent. It's not like you're going to put the ball on the deck and just stroke it around the place. Um, but that was a that was an incredibly frustrating. The 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 only team I saw in in two games of football who actually wanted to play football was the, was a very brief moment of the New Zealand team where they they strung together a beautiful end to end sweeping maneuver that that bashed in the only goal of the game against Norway, who are genuinely a really good team and genuinely have one of the greatest players of the last ten years in them. So New Zealand might make the second round because all yeah. they have to beat is some garbage team called the Philippines. Um, can't imagine anybody who had any connections to them. I think you should probably angle for. Ironically, the Philippines women team are coached by the guy who was run out of the Matildas for some of the players didn't jibe with his vibes. Uh, is probably the kindest way of putting it. Um, well, and that's the other thing, right? Is if you're an underdog side and you jag one win, all of a sudden you can play free and easy and and, and loose and and sort of be you know, transformed by having that points behind you. Like, yeah. And so, okay. So this is how I sort of wanted to relate it back to the ashes is not that Australia seems to me a little bit like, you know, one of those massive shipping container bulk carriers where, you know, they plan their, they plan their journey and they start on their journey. And if the journey starts well and they don't hit any, you know, other ships or icebergs and away they go, everything's great. But, you know, if a smaller ship suddenly zoots across in front of them and they've got a turn, they just can't do it. You know, that they can't deal with the perceived then they're not flexible enough to deal with that perceived pressure mm. and the and the like all, all week I read about how England were going to you know, England had to come out hot, right? England had to come out hot and because they've got to win this test. Who so are you reading? Oh uh, I don't know. I read You cricket. don't know who you don't know who you were reading. Oh, like McGlashan on on Crick Info, and I don't know whether I read Bredick, but I definitely read Kimber's Kimber's Substack. Um, but, you know, but this was all in reference to the to the weather, right? You know, because they thought they were going to lose a day and a half play, and England have to England have to win. They can't draw. You know, draws useless for them. That they've really only got one outcome that they that they can go for, and it just seemed like Australia rolled into this test. And expected it to be like the other three tests. I, I, I don't know. It just it just seemed very strange that they didn't they didn't have like if a team's w- willing to go that aggressive, isn't it easier to get wickets, not harder? I, I'm just a little bit baffled by their sort of adherence to the plan. You know, we've we've got the plan and we're going to stick to the plan, and that's and that's what we're going to do. You know, Stark and Hazelwood are going to bowl seven overs, and then. You know, and then Cummins is going to bowl, bowl a long spell, and then we might give Mitch. Mar- I don't know. It just, it just seems so. And I know Australian cricket is inherently conservative, right? They're not. When I would you say that, Tory. I would say that? national voting. It's not just conservative. Yeah. How does it feel to be on the same side of the argument as Langer and Hayden? I really don't understand why you've decided to rebrand yourself as, as that <laughs> well, guy. But, I wouldn't know what um, Langer and Hayden. I'm willing. You can you can dig yourself a hole. I'm going to stand over here with my hands in my pockets and go. Yep, you enjoy that. So, um, but do you be, do you disagree? You don't think that they should have had something prepared for that? I disagree with the entire premise of your idea that England are inferior to Australia. 
They oh, are oh, as no, good I'm, as Australia. No, this no, is not I'm, an underdog I'm, coming in and fucking. They are as no. good, and they are playing with a huge crowd, and they have huge amounts of confidence, and they're trying shit, and it's coming off. They're trying high variance shit, like Zach Crawley, like fucking Moen Ali at three. They are just trying shit, and no, I, I, it only I, has to work a few times. They have to try the high variance shit because they're behind on the scoreboard. No, no. Whereas Australia is always going to be conservative because Cummins is, is a conservative captain, like most bowling captains are. Yeah. And the hierarchy behind them are conservative because they don't want to rock the boat because they already got the gig by rocking the boat and they don't want to fucking further inflame the, the culture war bullshit that is being led yeah. by the, the likes of, of, of your compadres, Langer and Hayden. Oh, I, do, I do not. Like, I, I came into this game thinking, um, like, England are going to back their talent. <laughs> They're not... They're not going to poke and prod and, and let Australia get into the game. They're going to because I, they I never actually, do. They don't do this. England team no. don't do that. They never they haven't done that, and they're not going to do that. It doesn't. Even if they were four nil down, they would still play like this. So, I just thought. You know, I just thought we should be uh, like I was. I wasn't making the argument that England were less talented. I was more making the argument that we, we didn't seem tactically prepared for what that they were obviously going to bring. No, like, I, like think, we had I think no, it was we entirely had no fair enough. I, I, I don't have a problem with, with Australia's tactical position. I just think that England's high, you know, if you're playing against a team that, sh- that shoots a hell of a lot from three, yeah. some days they're going to hit all those threes. Some days yeah. they're going to go 0 for 27. Yeah. England England are the fucking rockets from, uh, you know, the, the, the end of the Chris Paul era. Mm. And- in the final test, they're going to go over twenty-seven, and we don't even got to remember we had this. Yeah, so, so that, that was that was my next question: is is that sort of Australia's players that you know are they just are they just basically like trust the process? The, trust this the process. Is a high- just be just be seven out of ten every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. This is a high this is a high variance team. They might smash us in this game in three days, but very likely Moeen will get out for like you know he literally averages like twenty. 21 or something or 18 at, at number three you know he, he'll he'll get six and and seven in the next test match you know ben stokes knee, knees will fall apart um you know wood will, the, wood will spray him everywhere and kawaja and 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 labashane will get centuries yeah, and will the chances yeah. are that will happen it might not happen you, the england's luck might hold out and they mm. might but it's not the most probable outcome i have to say that that playing moeen at three is an extremely Kiwi thing to do. Make the because you've only got a player pool of literally twelve players for eleven spots. You yeah. literally get the guy who's like, can you can you keep a bit? Can you can you bowl a little bit of offy? Can you do literally anything else? Because we, we need another one of them. Yeah. Never mind the fact that England have selected more players for Test cricket in the history of of the universe than any other country. Suddenly they're reusing dudes who are completely unsuited for the job. Imagine if you were another number three batsman anywhere in Britain. Well, and, and then you the, think. And then the the flip side is like they celebrated Stuart Broad getting six hundred, but like him and Anderson have so like they are good bowlers. I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to not trying to say they're not, but well, technically he didn't hit six hundred because he claims that that Ashes series during COVID <laughs> never happened. So he's a, he's only on about five hundred and eighty odd, I think. But like in a in any other country, they would have been replaced by faster, better, younger bowlers. But there's no one to replace them. Like. You know, Ollie Robertson just doesn't really fill you with fear, does he? No, so and the bro- thing about bro- Mark Wood is that, you know, he, when he played in that last Ashes series in Australia, he was a fucking joke. Mm. He was terrible. So the idea that he came back and he was this 
fearsome fucking Barbary, monster no. who literally ripped the guts out of Australia. It was like, it, it, what? Okay. Home conditions must must be a hell of a tonic. But yeah, like th- th- that's why Broaden like they've played a lot of games, a lot of games. Those two, like I was looking at the you know the wicket the wickets taken leaderboard, and they played so so many more games than McGrath to get the same amount of roughly the same amount yeah. of wickets. It's but which is amazing in itself. One place where they lead McGrath on the scoreboard is that they have killed minus one elephant. <laughs> Well, which makes them much better people. I'm not. I'm not. That I'm, we know of. I'm not going to argue for McGrath as a as a person. That's for well, sure. Well, given that given that you are you've been spouting the Langer, the pro Langer, fucking I, mouthpiece, culture war bullshit. I, I don't know whether I have. I, I just. I think the listeners will decide on that. Like Pat and I were talking about who who was the gr- last great tactical Australian captain, apart from and, yourself. And no, I've never captained anything. Um, like. P- Ponting, Ponting didn't mind, and Clark, like I, I just dis. It's easy to captain when you have a massive talent advantage. I yeah. think that's. I think you could put a line through War, through Ponting, and oh, probably War. and through Clark. Taylor at least had some teams that were a bit ropey to start with, but actually by the time he was captain, mm. I'd say it'd be it'd be AB because he had to he had to captain with teams, yeah. and I'm not talking about AB in the you know post eighty nine post no, no, end of the, the West the, Indies. The I'm talking in about Indian tour yeah. early AB. Mm, where he had to bowl himself at the SCG and take seven wickets, even though he clearly didn't want to bowl. Clark would do. I'm a massive not Michael Clark fan, but he would do things like <laughs> you're not Rory Stefanovic in that respect. Jeez, you really, you really giving it to me, like comparing me to Langer and Stefanovic. What's going on? What? I'm just copying strays everywhere here at the moment. No, because you want to talk about a game in which Australia is going to lose because they suck. I don't know why you hate our audience this much. Because I think I think you have to learn something. There's, there's nothing in the world worse than a sporting event that England can win. That's why I was pretty much out on the Women's World Cup. It was like either England wins it or America does. Either way, we have to listen to English fans on the internet or American fans on the internet, and they are fucked. They are it, fucking it- terrible cunts to have to listen to. Is it that cut and dry, though? This Women's World Cup seems a little bit like the pack starting to catch up to the leaders. Is that not the case? If America don't win this World Cup, it'll be an immense shock. Right. Okay. I, I sort of thought they were in a little bit of flux. And England thinks they're a good chance of being, being the other finalist. Okay. Hmm. Fascinating. Oh, well, let's, let's revisit that. So... The, the women's ashes. I actually think if I was if I was quietly the the Australian women's coach, I could not think of anything better because it must be really hard to motivate a side that just wins everything. So retaining they the ashes really upset at the idea of the fact that they'd actually lost the 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 one. Day well, they series. lost it. They essentially only won one of the three series, right? Because they lost the T twenties and lost the one days. Yeah. But they won the only game that matters, the theft. Yes, that's true. They won the and, actual cricket, not the fucking so, dress ups. So so they won the they won the title, but Well they they didn't lose the title. But if you're a coach you're like, Well, you won the title, but but there's stuff here we can work on, right? Like you've got a you've got a little cattle prod to sort of you know, fire up and, and at least make the next training camp a little bit more spicy because uh, it, th- th- I think that would genuinely be a hard job to do, right? To keep uh, uh, an elite side that has literally won ev- everything for the last decade and just keep them motivated and keep the young people that come through um, not sort of, co- you know, like not having that West Indies effect where you had this amazing team for so long and then 
you had this sort of weird transition period where players that were not as talented acted like they were still the gun West Indies sides of of the of history, and then all of a sudden it was just like, oh my god, the West Indies crap. Um, so yeah, I think that would be that would be a tough gig. Not well, not that tough gig, I guess, coaching a side that never loses. But do, do you do you see my point? No. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Balls Podcast, everybody. <laughs> I would love to be paid to manage something that never failed. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that that should be the new. And the West Indies failed balls. because of systematic fucking yeah, yeah. structural inequity. It did, they didn't fail because of because fucking Jimmy fucking who was that dude who looked like Shaggy? Um, Jimmy Adams. It wasn't. It wasn't his fault that fucking Sherwin Campbell and Jimmy Adams and fucking Marlon Samuels weren't fucking yeah. Gordon Greenwich, and and Desmond Haynes and Richie Richardson. It, it's just it, systematic fucking structural inequity is what crushed the West Indies. Yeah, money and development and Alan Stanford. Yeah, I, I don't know which one of Kimber's pods I was listening to the other week, but he was sort of talking about the West Indies and what you know if one particular country is doing well. They're, they're still reluctant to to sort of back West Indies cricket because then you're backing three other countries Jamaica, that aren't that aren't your that, 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 that aren't your country. So yeah. I just wonder whether the West Indies might be better off becoming four country four Test cricket countries. And <sighs> yeah, they're not though because it'll be like thirteen. Yeah. And um, I mean, the West Indies as a cricketing organisation is an accident of an accident of colonialism. Yeah. And as as a lot of these countries decolonise. You know, they, they break down the structures that, that, that tie them back to the countries that colonise them. I suspect that's also contributing to the, to the way that, you know, the, they're migrating away from the West Indies. But it's it's a shame that they don't see the West Indies brand as kind of a sporting European Union, you know, sort of a, a something to unite them and something to kind of pin some other socioeconomic stuff off. Because as individual countries, they're not – they can't punch quite as hard against – the rest of um, the Caribbean or northern sort of central Latin America. Yeah. We'll go back to this week in geopolitics. <laughs> um, so what, what's your interest level in the Women's World Cup? It wasn't. I have to say it wasn't. Is, is it is it coloured just by just by the fact that you, you think those two countries, like those two teams that you don't particularly like are – because it's very hard for me. Like one of the – literally one of the guys I work with has a daughter in the side, so it's I'm sort of euphorically fo- following – this side just hoping that they do well for him. So I hadn't been super engaged, I have to admit, because I thought, fuck, what's the point watching if, if the fucking Sebos or the Poms win? Yeah. Um, I never think that about the, about the Men's World Cup because it's been a long time since, like, Brazil. Brazil haven't won a World Cup in, in 20 years, for example. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, having New Zealand beat fucking Norway on, ga- on game day one is, is certainly gets your attention. Um, so... I mean, I'm going to follow it like a casual. I don't have any great ties to see any other to, to any, any other, other teams. teams. I'm not yep. going to be watching USA Vietnam. Um, so can, can, Canada have a good side as well. Is that right? Yeah, but who gives a fuck about Canada? Not even Canada gives a fuck about Canada. They have one good player. <laughs> they have they have Christine Sinclair. Um, I think Italy are there, but Italy are not good. They only made their first World Cup last World Cup. Um, France are handy. Germany, obviously, but yeah. It's the dirty the, sapos and the dirty palms. The the feeble world God, Cup Lord, they'll be insufferable. will be a little bit interesting in that way, in that the US is taking like a 
like a young decent gun team. side. A decent, like, not, not, even, a, not, not even young guns, just not, you know, it's Bobby Portis and it's friggin', you know, yeah. it's it's not. It's, Austin um, Reeves. It's a whole lot of third options and yep. and sixth men, uh, which might be better as a cohesive unit, but it's not. There are the best players in the World Cup will not be on the US team, which is kind of you know a weird weird thing to realise. Well, that Canadian team, you know, yep. <laughs> with a starting backcourt of Shay Shay Gil- Shay Gil- and, and Jamal Murray. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Like. You at least have to sit up and pay attention to those two to start, and then they've and, got and the NBA starters throughout the rest of it. Yeah, like that they've got it. They've got a solid. Technically, Kelly Olynyk is still an NBA starter, so yes. Is Wiggins? I think Wiggins is playing for that side, isn't he? I think he so can. Like the- I don't know if he is. No, I'm pretty sure he was. What- he was named in the in, because I remember watch, looking at their um their squad and going, "That's that's a handy." Um- Dort there. Yep, Dort. Dort. So that that's the thing. Like they they've got the, a lot of the workman like. Um, it has very OKC but- Thunder energy though, doesn't it? It does. It does feel like about a seventh seed or about an eighth seed. But that might be enough. <laughs> that might be enough against a um, an off peak uh, NBA starters um, USA team. So they've got Shay. Oh, where's the? No, that's not what I wanted. Welcome back to this week in Canada. Bezo looks things up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, Bezo, Bezo Google stuff. Uh, that's the World Cup. That can't be right. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Roster. Um, no, don't know him. Don't know him. Don't know him. Don't know him. Oh, they've got Thomas Scrub, who was cut by the Clippers. That's, no, there's two Scrubs on that team. Oh, Phil remember, Scrub as well. There's two Scrubs on that team. I remember um, the Kid Mellow, <laughs> the Kid, the Kid Mellow. Sorry, not the Kid Mellow. Uh, the Kid Mellow tweeted, so this team, this team full of Scrubs. Yo. Oh, that's hilarious. We don't want no Scrubs. That, that's a that's a rough name to have as a basketball player. It is it is now. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker from the Timberwolves. Oh yeah, that's that's Shay's uh, cousy. Uh, RJ, I think he, I think Nor has fallen out the leg though. I think he got uh, Dylan Brooks from the from the Houston Rockets yeah, with his cash. Yeah, <laughs> throwing his cash around. Uh, Dort, Shay, Corey yeah. Joseph. That's that's yeah. a nice backup guard. I think I think that's just a residency thing. I think he was up in fucking. Toronto for so long that he picked up a passport out of a box of cereal. And uh, Dwight Powell from the Mavericks. Yeah, okay. Kelly Kelly Olenek. Yep, yep. Um, O'Shea Brissett, who evidently is on the Boston Celtics. I've never heard of him before. I have heard of O'Shea Brissett because I think he went off for a a score in a game many years ago. Kelly Olenek's the most Canadian-looking Canadian uh, of any of those Canadians. And then a couple of scrubs are in the back end of, yeah. the, of the roster. <laughs> um, they do have a guy who plays for the, the Purdue, for the Purdue Boilermakers, which has to be one of the most Canadian team names I've ever heard in my life. Except it's a college team from oh, is Ohio, it? I think. Yeah, it's Purdue. Oh, it's the really? Purdue college team, yeah. Oh, that, that just sounds like such a Canadian yes. small town team. Yeah, it it sounds like something out of fucking Shawzy, mm. but it's not. A letter can yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's this week in FIBA basketball. Um, and it, our side. What about pretty- actual basketball? What's happened there? Well, very fucking nothing. Little really. Can I just suggest that 
you might not be the genius general manager that you've convinced all of nerd Twitter that you are <laughs> if both of the stars on your team yes. are trolling and subtweeting you through social media wanting to leave. Just okay. my theory. Yes. If both Joel Embiid and James Harden are making it extremely clear they would rather not be playing on the basketball team that you run, mm. maybe you're not as good at running basketball teams as you've been telling people you are. It's not a good look for our man Daryl, is it? No. But he has plenty of fucking cheerleaders in the media who will find a way to explain that this was all part of his game and he doesn't care about feelings anyway. Look, I I guess like he could literally ask whatever he liked from the Knicks for Joel. And the funniest thing would be if he traded Joel to the Knicks and then he broke down and all those picks became extremely valuable and they started the process again. That would be very funny, I have to say. I reckon Josh Harris should literally strangle Daryl Morey if that happens because I'm sure he hasn't paid all this money in order to have a team that sucks. Josh Harris just literally spent $6 billion to become the owner of the Washington formerly racist slurs NFL team. He is not here to see boring shit basketball. I think he would like to see some wins. If you've driven your owner to go and buy the worst team in the NFL just in order to see somebody win something, maybe you're not doing a very good job at running a basketball team. Again, just my opinion. Well, the the East feels like it it was funny. I was listening to uh, might have been the Hoops Collective podcast, but they were just like they were were trying to predict the bottom four teams in the West. and Which we did last week. Yeah, we said it would be and, the same as last time. It'll be Houston, Portland, Spurs, and um, who was the other Utah. team that we had? Utah. Utah yeah. were, the, were the last four, but because I, I everybody guess, else wants to win. Uh, yes, but I guess the the feeling is that all four of those teams are going to be more competitive than they were last year. Like exactly, not we said like, we said last week they're not going to be horrible for, to watch. For they're Portland. going to be feisty. They'll probably win more yep. games than they should. But as long as they all win more games than they should, it's not going to hurt them. And given that the the, the lottery odds are flat, mm. you know, finishing third third worst or fourth worst doesn't really make a lot of fucking difference. Whereas the the Bucks feel uncertain, the Celtics feel worse, the 76ers feel completely in flux. Cleveland, I guess, had a pretty good off season. Like yeah, they seem I thought to stress, stress was a good pickup, particularly because he's a Midwest dude, and he's it's not like sending Tyler Hero there. He's going to be fine yeah. with living in, in Cleveland. I don't. I mean, Milwaukee. I don't. I think most of the awkward feels we have about them have got more to do with the fact that they're now owned by Older. a fucking clown and a fraud rather than. Uh, than anything specific that happened. I mean, they kind of brought everybody back. Yeah, I, I think it's more that they're just older. Like they're, they're the same yeah. same. T- and because they they flamed out three times out, and and the the suggestion yeah. is it's the coach. It's like, well, what if it's not the coach? What if it's just an intrinsic mm. property of this particular roster? What, what what if Middleton's just on the downward peak of his career? You know, he had that really amazing year. Maybe he just can't put that sort of year together again. I don't. Um, I don't think it's yeah. I think it's it's the parts around Giannis that are, that are the that are going to dictate whether he wins or not. Just like you know, with Jokic, I mean, Jokic has been fantastic for years, but when they finally got the Jamal's and the Bruce Browns and the um, yeah, Mark, the MPJs and Aaron Gordon to fire all at once, then that was enough. Um, they could sort of Voltron enough force and ability around him to, to win games, to win enough games to, to, to get across the line. And the same is true the year that the um, the Bucks won. They, they, they've got a lot of similarities in that in that respect. So the Knicks might be marginally better, but don't still don't feel like a contender. 
The Nets no, will be worse. I, I don't mind the fact that the Knicks are just incrementally, just incrementally building. They're, they're going to be better or about mm. the same this next year as they were this year. And I think that's actually good because they're not doing that fucking stupid, we're going to win a fucking chip kind of uh, stupidity. They're just kind of just building no, on building on building. They're going to be a four or five seed for- It's extremely un Five or six years, right? Yeah. But uh, and they're like they are literally trying to do the let's build a solid team and hope we get Joel Embiid. Like that—that's their play, or, right? Or they're just trying to do the Portland thing of let's just build a solid team that always competes and maybe shit breaks right for us and we become conference finalists. Yeah, but they—they they don't feel like they've got someone who can even do a Jimmy Butler thing. Who I think, you know, Jimmy's not quite. The, the top, top tier of superstar, but, like, when he's yeah. going, he's enough to drag you into an NBA Finals. Isn't it interesting that the Knicks would have, in a, in a previous life, they would have been exactly the team who you would have heard as being in on Harden or being in on Dame or yeah. any of the... I mean, these, these are, in- there isn't that often that you get two genuine big fucking uh, name-above-the-headline stars who are on the trade block, and the Knicks are... Absolutely not being mentioned in dispatches about oh, that. They're keeping their powder dry yeah. for Joel. It's not that they don't have stuff that they could trade either. I mean, they've got no. Heaps, they got they've heaps got... of stuff. Heaps they are, of they stuff. are not short of stuff, but they are just not in the conversation at all. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm, su- I'm surprised they don't have fucking relevance deprivation, and they're not going to try and insert themselves into it. But, uh, which but would yeah, be well, extremely that's, next. That, that's the thing. They're almost like the little brother that you can't help baiting yeah. because you know that they're going to take the bait, right? You know they're going to fall for the joke or or fire up when you when you tease them and they're not doing it yeah um they're a grown-up basketball it. franchise it's really it's, it's a bit it's a bit unnerving the knicks and the Sacramento kings are, are, are competent that's that's very yes. strange and the suns are signing random people on ridiculous salaries and doing well actually that's what they always do yeah yeah um uh, look the the suns had a better uh, as good an off season like free agent signing as what you can when you're paying 11 to bill, a billion dollars to three players spending 95% yeah. of your money yeah on well apart from the bit where they literally got they just went look we okay no we're trading all our recognizable point guards we're trading anybody who's ever played point guard mm. we're trading Cameron Payne Fuck off. We're done with you. So they've literally, I don't know who's going to run. There's going to be literally no no number one out there. There's going to be nobody yeah. running the point. Oh, Durant. Durant and and Booker all have to yeah. be the creators. Um, the only number one will be the guy with number one on his shirt. Look, if if Vogel can motivate DeAndre Ayton, um, <laughs> Detroit will feel like they To do what? Monty to Williams. leave? Well, like- I was, I was listening to a summer league breakdown about one of the, you know, sort of- It's been desperate, folks. There hasn't been a lot of NBA content. We're listening to summer league breakdowns. Uh, well, they were talking about this this center, and, and, and he just sounded like the, your perfect NBA center. Like, plays hard on every play, attacks the rim, you know, boxes out, tries to get- And I'm like, you're literally describing everything that DeAndre Ayton, former number one pick, does not do. <laughs> Like you know, it's like what what doesn't DeAndre uh, run, runs through? Yeah, no, he doesn't do that. Uh, boxes, no, no, he doesn't. No, doesn't do that. If you want him to pop to twelve feet and you know attempt a ill advised jump shot, that's, if you want that's him to, to Carl Anthony towns it out on the fucking perimeter, he's more than willing to do that. Is that useful? No, no, it no, fucking he's... isn't. Because the game is pivoting back to you know big men ru- are really important again. Doing big man things. Yeah, doing big man things, not not, not doing, being- Not fucking not being Carl Anthony Towns claiming that he's changing and- the game by shooting <laughs> a, an above average percentage from the fucking perimeter. 
Like that matters. Oh my God. Like that's not a replaceable skill. I would hate to be his agent. I really would. I would hate to be his coach. <sighs> I, I guess it's a challenge, but- um, You're so setting your pubes on fire and jumping into a bucket of oil. I mean, it's, it's also not something I want to do. Well, that that, that was the, the other, like, you know, the disrespect Dame trade out there was just trade him straight up for Carl Anthony Towns. <clears throat> just, you know, send him to Minnesota. <laughs> it's like, you oh, you want to get traded? Here you go. Off you go to yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, the only problem with this is you end up with Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns. Towns <laughs> this can only be dreamed up by people who either hate Portland and Minnesota or have never been to Portland or Minnesota. Mm. Yeah, I, I think this is going to drag out for an extremely long time, and in the end, it'll be exactly what we thought it was. It'll be fucking Tyler Harrow and bits being redistributed across various conferences, and Dame ends up in Miami. Yeah. Oh. And it doesn't it doesn't make the Miami any better or worse because they'll just be the same kind of over-efforting, try-hard, mostly injured team that uh, overperforms when you when you expect them to underperform and vice versa. Do you reckon Miami has more scouts at summer league than every other at team? Just like trawling. You know, looking for the next Gabe Vincent or I don't think the, you see them at Summer League. I think you see them in much more much less obvious places. Yeah. Yep. Because you think of where they've picked those dudes up from. They were like cut in mid like Max Struess was cut by the Celtics at some random stage of the year. It wasn't fucking Summer League that, that where they where they saw him. So that those kinds of dudes, the Vincents who is now you know, enjoying all his money in LA, which is which is a lovely ending for him. Maybe not so much mm. for Miami. Yeah. All right, Doc. Lovely to talk to you, even though you know I it was thought- lovely to talk about basketball in our basketball podcast. We found a way <laughs> Look, to crow bust the fact that in. we the fact that we got to we got to forty three minutes on on a week where literally nothing has happened since last time we yeah, talked. Yeah, and you kept wanting good. to talk about. Australia losing a cricket game against the fucking colonial powers. I don't know. I understand your mentality there. <laughs> it's perverse. It's like, you know. If England win it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. What, it never happened. What's that, what's that religious order that like beating themselves on the back with the knotted rope? That's that's me, but for sports. The English media. <laughs> All right, Doc. I'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers, man. See ya. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. Fucking Opus Day. Opus Day. They That's are, what I was They are fucking weird cunts. They run a um <laughs> they run a residential college at New South Wales Uni. And they, I'm sure they do. They are. And, they, and, they, they have the like the because every fucking religion, you know, essentially has a franchise to run a, a residential college there. So there's the, the Jewish Jews have got one, and the, the Anglicans have got one, and the this and the that, and the, the Catholic one is run by Opus Dei. And it's no women are allowed above the ground floor, and it's it's fucking ooh, it's uh, it's 1962 in there, motherfucker. The rugby team's good. <laughs> I'm sure it is, and very white, I would imagine. And you'd be surprised how you know how strong the fundamentalist streak yeah. is in the in the islands and and various other places. So, no, not not as white as you'd expect it to be. All right.
I'm going to get a, uh, a brandy and I'll overturn. Get to get a brandy, old son. When did this turn into a gentleman's club? First? Welcome back to Tattlesalls. <laughs> well, you, you, you're talking about overstay, you know. I need a, I need a good brandy. No, they, they, they tend to drink the fucking sacramental wine while they're abusing children. Uh, I'll be back. <laughs>